What a day, what a day, what a day. Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, here's your host, JT The Brick. Great to have you today, JT, in a drizzling Summerlin. I am here to report that it is raining in Summerlin. Real rain. I had to take the pool towels in and cover them up. It only drizzles out here, which is probably the reason I moved out west from New York. A long time ago, I didn't like the rain because we had cold winters, and I went to college in upstate New York, and it was freezing cold. And then we'd wait around all summer from Memorial Day to Labor Day, and it would rain. I'd be like, oh, my God, it's 4th of July. It's raining. I can't take it anymore. So I moved out west, and it doesn't rain much. And I got to Vegas in 96, and it barely ever rains. They even have these flash flood commercials, which we take seriously. We haven't had a flash flood. We haven't had any hard rain. And it's drizzling now, and it's cause for a celebration. So there is actual rain outside as I start the show. I've never been one of those guys that wants it to rain, but have you been to Lake Mead lately? Do you see the bathtub rings around Lake Mead? How are we going to flush all the new toilets at Resorts World and Circa? Where's the water going to come from, man, if we don't get any rain? So maybe we get a little bit today, but hopefully not tomorrow for the grand opening of Resorts World, where I'll be tomorrow night, and I'm looking forward to that. Johnny Katz, the Vegas Insider, will join us next hour on the opening of what could be one of the most important casinos in the world, and we have it here in Vegas and the impact that it's going to have. You know, I'm pro casino. I don't, I, I, I like everybody. I like the MGM. I was with my buddy Scotty Gertner yesterday at the rugby announcement. I love the Palms, right? I got a place at the Palms. I lived at the Palms. I love the Palms. When they closed it down, I went nuts. I like what Derek Stevens is doing at Circa. I'm a big fan of Boz over at Virgin. I love the Hard Rock. I want all these casinos to work. I've hosted my show at the Strat, at the Gold Coast, and we're doing a lot with the M. So I like all the casinos here, the casino corridor, and I want everybody to make it big here. want everybody to be super successful in this town, and congratulations to Scott Sabella, who I go back a long time with, and everybody at Resorts World, is that's going to be a monster tomorrow night. Uh, open to the public at 11 p.m. I'll be in there earlier. Going to check it out. Can't wait to go to see how Vegas goes up another level. Another level tomorrow, the opening of Resorts World. Johnny Katz will join us. Also, our good friend Albert Hall of Hall Pass Media, uh, one of the founders of Summer League. NBA Summer League tickets are going on sale. Every year I say the same thing. If you're looking for tremendous entertainment for your kids, nothing better. My kids have been going every year from the time where they had to go with us, mom and dad supervising them, to when they could go and we could drop them off all day, and now they can drive and go. NBA Summer League is one of the best things to happen in Vegas in the summer. It's hot out. You go to Thomas and Mac. You go watch the games at Mended Hall. You walk back and forth, and kids have a blast. You can get autographs, have a good time, air conditioning, watch the greatest rookies in the world come into play. So we'll talk to him about that. Dave Goger will join us, part of the Golden Knights broadcast team. That's coming up here at the top of next hour. And then once a Raider, always a Raider, as we have an interesting guest, uh, Rick Bonus, who I'm assured 
is going to be energetic. He came to the Raiders as a rookie linebacker. It was rookie year, and the Raiders won their first Super Bowl. Very interesting character, unique guy. Uh, that's at the bottom of the hour as we get going. This week will be remembered for Carl Nassib coming out as gay. It's everywhere. It's on all the mainstream news channels. Everybody's talking about it around the world. Sky News in London, all the way to Tokyo, South America, South Africa. Carl Nassib now is a famous athlete because he came out gay and had the courage to do that, and he's doing it in a Raider uniform. So this is a landmark week. It's a little bit unique, the timing, because no one's here within the Raiders as the coaches and the players are all on vacation, and they're all gone, so you don't have the feel of Carl Nassib coming out of the tunnel or coming out of the facility to about 20 reporters, you know, the regular Vegas reporters, but a whole bunch of national reporters. Imagine how many national reporters would have correspondents here that would want to talk to him. So the timing was very unique, but it was his timing and his decision, and it was great that he made that decision. The Raiders obviously embrace it. So this is the time to talk about that. I'm on today and tomorrow. We haven't talked to enough people about it. Not enough Raider fans have framed this topic going forward and put this into perspective on why now, why the Raiders, the player, is he a bubble player where he might make the team or not make the team? There's a lot to talk about with Carl Nassib. And the biggest story is, is that he came out gay and he's going to help a lot of people, a lot of people who want to come out in the future. So I wanted to throw that out. I've thrown that out every day in the monologue since that story broke, and we'll get into that if you'd like, 702-365-9200. All right, so I got one son out doing an internship. Wife's running errands. I'm at home. Dog's in the other room. I'm standing up in the studio, and I'm about to go nuts. And I rarely say that, but this is a message to everybody who can hear my voice in Vegas to get off your ass and get behind this hockey team. I've never heard so many pathetic whiners and people complaining and taking shots at this team. This is your team, the Vegas Golden Knights, the first professional sports team in Vegas, great owner in Bill Foley, unbelievable arena in T-Mobile, tremendous experience, and I'm dealing with a bunch of criers and whiners and people that are taking shots at this team. They're trolling the team. Media members are actually trolling the team. Look, I go on Twitter, and I get pissed when they go down one nothing. They go down 2 nothing. They go down 3 nothing. Yeah, the sky is falling if you're on Twitter. But i got to host two radio shows on top of that. And what I know living here in Vegas is there's only a few people in the country that respects Vegas as a sports town. Most of the people don't. Even the people you think you're friends have a problem with Vegas. The greatest thing really ever, UNLV basketball, and how long ago was that with Stacey Augman and Larry Johnson? So this city has been waiting to build their reputation in sports. We are the entertainment capital of the world. From Elvis Presley to Frank Sinatra to Dean Martin to Sammy Davis Jr. to Wayne Newton, we got that covered. We got the greatest entertainment in the world. In the world. Not in the United States. In the world. We have casinos that don't close. We don't have any curfews at night to put our cocktails down. We have unbelievable weather. We have national parks. We got everything here. But we don't have great sports. And God knows we've never had great sports talk radio to the level where it should be now with two professional teams, the Raiders and the Vegas Golden Knights. I apologize, but I've been doing this 25 years, and this isn't the place where everyone moves to to build their radio career. I can promise you that. So now we got people in-house fighting. We got fans that are worried. We got fans that are complaining, and it's not a good look. So I'm going to tell you what we're going to do here. 
We're going to try to get some Vegas Golden Knight fans ready to go. We're going to try to get them up here and do what they do in other sports towns that are real. We're going to try to lift up the team. We're going to try to inspire the team. We're going to try to inspire the fans, inspire our partners and our sponsors, and not act like we're a bunch of freaking whiners and we're afraid to lose. If they lose, to me it's a disaster because Montreal wasn't good all year. And Vegas got a pretty good matchup in theory. They were going to play a team that was average, and that's a compliment because they had to play Colorado, and Minnesota almost knocked out VGK and really had their number. And Colorado was a team that a lot of people have picked against Vegas. I told you when this series started, you were going to hear people saying, oh, I like Vegas in four. I like him in a sweep, but I'll say five. How'd that work out? Now they're in an elimination game. So what do they have to do to win? Well, they got to do a lot of things to win, unfortunately. First off, they got to figure out who the goalie's going to be because Marc-Andre Fleury is not sharp in this series. It doesn't mean that he wouldn't be sharp in the Stanley Cup final. It doesn't mean that he's not a Hall of Famer. I love Fleury. I've been saying before anyone build this statue outside on Toshiba Plaza, build it now. But Robin Leonard played a really good game on the road in Montreal. He's rested. He's ready to go. I would go with Fleury because it's an elimination game, and I have more confidence in him, but it's a decision that needs to be made. The other thing is this team and these offensive players have been an absolute no-show in this series. Nowhere to be found, no one knows where they are, and they can't wake up. I mean, where in God's name is Mark Stone, the captain of the team? I don't hear anything from him. He looks like he's gassed. Stevenson, Pacioretty at least with a goal yesterday. Waz played well. Where is Tuck, one of my favorite players? Marsha Show has absolutely disappeared along with Bill Car- Wild Bill Carlson. Where is Riley Smith? Where is he? Where are the players on this team that can step up and save the season? Where are they? Well, let's examine that. Number one is they're playing a team that is defensive-oriented with big defenders that are trying to clog everything up so Vegas just can't fly around and use their offensive weapons. But on top of it, the big thing I wanted to get here in the monologue, brought to you by PTs, the best happy hour in town, proud partner of the Vegas Golden Knights, is that this team looks gassed to me. They look dead. They look like they don't have their legs anymore. Oh, what a surprise. Could it be because they were pushed to the limit by Minnesota? They were pushed to the limit by Colorado down 0-2, even though they had to come back and win four in a row? And then in this series, they've been in trouble the whole time. To me... They look like they're out of gas. They, they've run out of energy, and they just can't pop again. They just can't get going and, and, and just start flying around again. They look to me like they're out of gas. So with that being said, what do they have to do? It's too late to fight. Can't fight, can't get penalties, can't go to the penalty box. And somebody's got to jump in and get something going. Someone's got to get going with an early goal. This team in the first 10 minutes of the series has been asleep at the wheel, and Montreal has been faster and, for whatever reason, more motivated and more desperate. Now, the good news here is I think that Vegas plays their best hockey with their back up against the wall. I think when their back is up against the wall, they play really good hockey. Now, they haven't won the Cup, so in big games they've lost, but we've seen the Golden Knights come from behind in the third period. We've seen them have unbelievable epic wins since they were born in the playoffs, and they need one now. Fortunately, Vegas has a better roster. They have better players. 
I can't say that about the coaches. I think the coaches are being outcoached by Montreal and their game plan and the scheme that they have right now. And that's a little bit concerning to me because I think Peter DeBoer is a pretty good coach, a very good coach, and he's not getting much out of the team in the series. All the coaching at this point has been Montreal. Montreal has made all the adjustments. Forget the blue line. They've completely taken away the red line. These guys can't even get past center ice consistently. Instead of dumping and chasing, they all gather at the blue line and wait for it to get lugged in. Never anyone in front of the net. What's the power play like now? 0 for 18 and getting worse. It almost looks like DeBoer is overwhelmed and doesn't even say a word to the team during the timeouts. VGK had, what, about 30 shots on goal last night? Probably three of them were real dangerous shots that had a chance. That's it. What a blown opportunity at home at the Fortress. Oh, my God. you got to be kidding me. The whole country was tuned in, and they were dragging us on NBC. The broadcasters were dragging Vegas saying, quote, quote, T-Mobile doesn't sound like I've ever heard it here at T-Mobile. Fans were booing the Vegas Golden Knights going into the second intermission. Let's get to the Caulfield goal that put them up 3 nothing in this game, and Montreal pretty much embarrassed Vegas at home. Takeaway, Stone ahead, shorthanded, works up to the line, lost possession, tipped ahead, behind the D, Corey Perry, left circle, feeds the middle, they score! Cole Caulfield, 3 nothing Montreal. Power play goal, Perry to Caulfield. That's it, Dan Duva, who we had on the show yesterday, was really fired up about the game. Uh, good news is Vegas showed a lot of fight in the third period. I thought Pacioretty was playing hard. The former captain of the Montreal Canadiens got a much-needed goal. Right circle faceoff. Wah wins it, and one shot missed. Rebound, score! Max Pacioretty. He fanned on the first shot. The second time, he got it by. Pacioretty's first goal of the series and the first goal from the top six Vegas forward in the series. And the Knights now trail 3-1. to one. That was a big goal because if they would have got another one, and they were swarming. They were really swarming, and I thought they were going to get the second goal. Then when you're down one goal, you can pull the goalie. You can pull Fleury and maybe you know, have the advantage and tie the game. So they needed that first goal, but that's all they had. Suzuki, what a move for Montreal to get him. He's not here in Vegas, and he's been dominating the series for the Canadians. Petrangelo on the right with Martinez. Pass got blocked by Toffoli. Oh, Petrangelo, a diving play, but Suzuki's after the loose puck. He scores. Empty netter. Petrangelo made a diving play to try to hold the line. He went soaring onto the Montreal bench, but Suzuki burst through, and Suzuki makes it 4-1 to with a minute six to go in the third. All right, so you don't need to hear the final call. It sounded like a morgue. Half the fans were out of there as Vegas loses 4-1. to one. So I'd just like to hear from a couple of fans today that have the inspiration and don't need it from me to get this team going again who aren't throwing in the towel. There are a lot of people trolling this team, and I pay attention to that crap because, you know, there are a lot of people in the media that can't do a radio show without Twitter. The radio show is Twitter. They just read Twitter. My radio shows all original content from me, provided by me. Okay, I don't need a juice box or a medal, but I'm not going to troll the team. I get pissed off with the team, and I'm, I'm showing you that anger here in the monologue. But I live in Vegas. The show's based in Vegas, and we're on the verge of elimination. I, mean, I talk Vegas Golden Knights every day on the flagship of the Raiders. Raiders are cool with it. Mark Davis and Bill Foley are friends. Raiders won Vegas to win. 
the Golden Knights want the Raiders to win. And we got a window here where we could have another two and a half weeks of hockey. We can have hockey till this Saturday and then go another two weeks, which means all the bartenders get tips, all the valets get more, people come in. You know how it works here in Vegas. This is a part of the economy. This is a big part of what we do here. It's a really big part of what I like to do on the radio. Again, because we only have two professional sports teams. And I've done radio for 10 years in L.A. and in the Bay Area where there's a lot more content. Vegas Golden Knights are a content provider, and it brings happiness to this city. Now everybody's on edge. I get it. I'm the guy that can get you through this and get going. But I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm not mocking these guys. I'm not doing segments ripping on this team a a, a day before potential elimination. I believe the Vegas Golden Knights can win game six. And if they win game six, Montreal will not get on the plane to come back for game seven. No chance Montreal wins this series if Vegas wins game six. So as I've said for years, and my old partner Looney would make fun of me, game six is game seven. Say it with me, because it's very true. Game six is game seven, because there's no way in hell Vegas is losing game seven if they come back here with the Fortress Saturday night on the Strip in Vegas. So it feels like it's a one game, and they just won in Montreal. So we're trying to figure this out. Look, if they get beaten, blown out, and they ran out of gas and they lose, it's another year with the Vegas Golden Knights achieved a really good regular season, a solid postseason, but couldn't get it done. Well, plenty of time to point fingers, but I'm going right into Raiders. Right into Raiders and getting back to what I do here. So we want Vegas to win. Peter DeBoer has now got to do a better job because he's having a tough time explaining these losses. You know, hard to explain. You know, we just uh, we didn't have great legs, didn't have great execution. You have to give them credit. They, I thought they played a real good road game. And, and then obviously falling behind early uh, against that team is uh, – is tough. That's not a formula for success uh, we've shown. Peter DeBoer gets paid to have this team ready in the first period. There's got to be a better speech in warm-ups. There's got to be some broken sticks from Mark Stone. There's got to be guys getting in each other's face. Or you can take the Petrangelo and you can look at it that way and say, hey, hey, man, we've been here before. No big deal. We have this. But DeBoer does not have this team ready, and he's starting to hear it from the media. We weren't uh, we weren't sharp in our execution, uh, in our decisions, and uh, and it costs us. Excuses die. The record stands. Now it's time for Vegas to play their best hockey game of the year. Get their rest. Traveling today, long flight to Montreal. There's no problem with fans. They barely have any fans in there. They have more fans outside the building than inside the building. So don't tell me about crowd noise and all that. And Vegas has the better roster. They're the better team. All they got to do is not panic, but they got to start quick. If they go down one goal, they're probably toast. They got to score first. They got to be great. And we should all demand them to be great, but to root for them to win. I'm sick and tired of dealing with my friends and everybody else telling me how they're going to bet the game. I could give a crap how you bet hockey. Do you know how many people bet hockey? Less than point zero 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 one percent. Nobody bets hockey in the big picture. Just maybe one of your two degenerate friends that sit at a video poker machine all day. I don't care how you bet the over in the game or what you got on the puck line. I care about Vegas winning. 
for this community, for this radio station. We have the flagship rights here at Lotus. And I want all of our friends, and I want to go to the game on Saturday, and I want to watch hockey games in the pool with my kids for two more weeks. That's it. That's all I got. I gave you 20 minutes on the Vegas Golden Knights. Let's see what we get from their fans. That's the type of radio I do. I call people out because I don't do vanilla radio. I don't gouge at the local teams here. I don't make fun of the captain. I try to pick them up. I try to pick them up. I'm a negative enough on enough stuff happening in sports. God knows I'm not going to be negative on the Raiders and the Golden Knights when the sky is falling and everybody's panicking around me. That's the monologue brought to you by Sam and Ash because you deserve what's right. SamandAshLaw.com, SamandAshLaw.com, 702-820-1234. Just put it in your phone. Say JT's attorney. So in case you get an offender bender and you need some help, it's SamandAshLaw.com. Every day I'm a sprinter who runs a marathon. Five hours of radio a day. I'll do it on my own or I'll do it with Vegas and get Vegas going. I know the Golden Knights can win this game in Montreal. If they don't, my life will go on, and it'll be great. I'm going to Cabo next week, and I'm going to have fun, and I'm going to be drinking a bucket of Modelo on the beach there. But I can tell you this, I want to come back home and see some Stanley Cup hockey. So let's get the city going. Let's wake up. Let's pretend to be New York, Philadelphia, Boston, and be a sports town that's got some freaking teeth, that's got some energy, that's got some excitement, And we'll all be good here. And we'll win with the Vegas Golden Knights or we'll lose with the Vegas Golden Knights. But God knows on this show for two hours a day, we're not going to bitch and moan and whine about everything and go to Twitter and start trolling the captain and the coach and do all that. We're trying to get this team to win or at least pretend, right? Sports radio is all pretend. We're all pretending that we count. That our voices count. We can hire the coach, fire the coach. We can mean this or that. Our inspiration means something to someone. Well, if this doesn't get you going in Vegas on an elimination opportunity, losing to an inferior team in Montreal. Look, Montreal's playing better in the series. There's no debate. Montreal has been the better team. But they don't have the better roster. And they weren't better for seven-eighths of the season. Now we need a game where something flips and a little bit of puck luck, a little bit of excitement. It's kind of like you're at the blackjack table and you've lost four hands in a row and you're thinking about walking away or you're thinking about coming back and going all in and pounding that dealer. Well, that's what we have to do here in the next 24 hours. Get the team going, sound off like you got a pair, and lift up our hometown team in Vegas, the Vegas Golden Knights. 702-365-9200. Rick Bonus is going to join us coming up. A former Raider who won a Super Bowl in his rookie year. And I heard he's pretty fiery. I wasn't told to look out. I was just heard to say, hey, man, this guy's going to bring it. So I'm looking forward to that. I'll be down at the Raider facility a little bit later on today. And I'm excited to be here. Resorts World tomorrow night. Johnny Katz will talk about everything that's going to happen here and what's happening in the city tomorrow. And that's it. I gave him my Vegas Golden Knight monologue. Let's see what you got. Let's have a big show today. A lot of great guests. Hopefully some good phone calls. You can hit me up at Twitter, at JT the Brick. Also on Facebook, at JT the Brick. I think they're going to win. Bobby, jump on that mic quick. You run the games. You feel good? You didn't sound good. You didn't feel good last night when I saw you. Are you okay? No, I don't feel good about it at Ooh. all. 
Bobby runs the Bobby runs the games and he doesn't feel good. What am I dealing with today? What's going on out there? This JT the Brick Legends moment is brought to you by M Resort, the official team headquarters hotel of the Las Vegas Raiders. I speak for myself and the coaches. We've all had our vaccinations, and you know I think uh, our players have bought in. I think we're as good as anybody in the league or better. We hope to have every man vaccinated, and most importantly, every man safe as possible when the season starts. John Gruden says all the right things. The team's got to get behind him and win games. JT back with you, brought to you by Five Iron Golf inside Area 15. I'll tell you all about it in 15 minutes. It blows me away. Once a Raider, always a Raider. A Super Bowl champion linebacker came in his rookie season and won the Super Bowl. Rick Bonus joins us. Rick, great to talk to you. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Vegas, you Nebraska legend. How are you? Uh, <laughs> I'm doing great, JT. Thank you very much. It's uh, it's a real honor to be on your program, and, and thank you for the opportunity. Well, it's our honor because you're a Raider. Once a Raider, always a Raider. We'll get to Al Davis and Mark Davis coming up, but tell me about your journey and how you got to Nebraska and when your career, your young career as a high school football player and a college football player at the highest level of Nebraska, how did it develop? Well, it was uh, unexpected, really, at all levels. I, I was uh, I played high school. I grew up in in Omaha, a suburb of Omaha, actually, but in Nebraska, and uh, went to high school here. Then, of course, and and uh, had a had a good college career or high school career. But I, I honestly, I did not think about playing college football at all. In fact, when uh, they mentioned that I was on the all-state team. Uh, I really wasn't sure what that was. <laughs> so uh, I, I then did get a, an offer from Nebraska, which was really, uh, I, I didn't have many offers, but of course at that time Nebraska was coming off a, a national championship uh, season. So it was, there was really no, uh, I didn't have to think about it very long. I was very grateful. Uh, I went to Nebraska uh, at a, Six four, 185 pounds, 180 pounds. Ended up playing center and and middle guard. Uh, eventually settled in at middle guard, and and I'm always proud to say that my first game starting as a starting center, uh, my sophomore year was Coach Osborne's first game uh, wow. as our head coach. So uh, I've been. It's been such a privileged and I'm so grateful for that in part because he coached so long I was uh I always felt close to him of course because I he was our head coach for three years that I was there and so I continued to you know follow him closely and read his comments about the game and of course was so thrilled about his success but so understanding in terms mm -hmm. of how, what a bright coach, uh, what a smart man he was, what, a, what a, a brilliant coach, and then just, of course, his character. And he gave me strength through the years uh, as, I, as an adult 
just listening to his comments about you know in the game in the game uh, mm-hmm. a lot of stuff applied directly to me as a person and and continuing to try to cha- you know get through the challenges that sort excellent of thing. so um let me jump in here. We're talking to Rick Bonus, who joins us, and former Raider, won a Super Bowl with the Raiders. So you have this decorated career at Nebraska uh, after your senior season, uh, first-team honors from the AP, UPI, Walter Camp. So you come into the league, and there's got to be an Al Davis story. 1976, round three, pick 84 overall. Now walk me through Al Davis, how he found you, and how you fit in on such a great team full of madmen and some of the most – acclaimed football players of all time. Uh, I tell you, JT, you know, as naive and and, uh, I really did not, honestly, I did not think I was going to go pro. I didn't, you know, I had a sense that I might get drafted, that I might, actually, I thought I would get drafted my senior year, but up until that point, I didn't give it any thought. It was, I think it's very different now in terms of, you know, forethought and and people thinking about uh, playing professional football I, I was just in the moment through college so um i remember the day of the of the draft i i was i stayed home it was quiet i was by myself there might have been one other person in the house but uh uh and then i got a phone call and it was madden and uh you know they called and said that wait a second we'll get coach and we were talking, and it was uh, I was with the Raiders, and and uh, of course I was thrilled uh, to be drafted, and it was I was fortunate to be drafted in the third round, and and I think uh, you know Al Davis was always one to find a diamond in the rough, and uh, I think the fact that I was a you know a thin I'll use the word thin center. I wasn't going to play center, so he he drafted the Raiders drafted me as a linebacker, and um, so I had a lot to learn, but I was really excited about learning with them. Rick, and this then, is amazing. So let me jump in. What's what's finding amazing here? You go from Tom Osborne, Al Davis, John Madden. You switch positions. You come in as a rookie for the Raiders at linebacker. Probably going to make the team. Obviously, you're a decent draft pick. And then you're on a team that has been snake bit from the immaculate reception and all the games before and the championship games on a mission to win the Super Bowl. How did you fit well, in on this team? What was the locker room like? Well, you know, one of the things that that I remember so well is walking into the locker room the first time. I just, you know, I was a young, you know, I felt maybe naive. Uh, kid coming in from the Midwest, and I just look up, and I the the lockers are all painted black and silver, and you know the names on the on the uh, above the lockers are just you know Fred Bolitnikoff, uh, Willie Brown, Dave Casper, Neil Colsey, you know just go down the list. Everyone on that team was a NFL pro at some point, in, you know, in those during those years, so. You know, it was, uh, I really just, I was by myself too, so I could just sit there. It was one of those awe moments, you know. Mm -hmm. Kenny Stabler, I mean, I can go back, Matuzak, you you know, Dave Rowe, it's just, you're going to recognize Jack Tatum, you know, who, you know, I ended up having stories 
about later afterward, uh, after my career, Monty Johnson, who was at Nebraska. I mean, I can go down the list. You know the David Hall. David Hall. Yeah, oh my God, I love David Hum. He was my, you know, he was my quarterback in college. Yes. And, and what a an amazing man, amazing player, uh, and I, I really loved him. And again, we our paths crossed later uh, for for very significant reasons, which I you know, hope we have time to get into. But but there was just a remarkable team, a remarkable coach, and there were. Uh, I did make the team. There weren't many uh, rookies on that team. And I got to tell you, JT, in all honesty, I was along for the ride. You know, mm-hmm. I had to learn how to tackle. I was yeah. on all the special teams, but I didn't get a tackle my entire – I did not get one tackle my entire – I shouldn't even say – I shouldn't say this, but my entire rookie year when we got to the Super Bowl, uh, I was – I didn't. They took me off the special, off the tackling special teams because I hadn't made a tackle all year. Now, so uh, and it was I was close, JT. I mean, really, I was so close so many times, and somebody just came in. Got well. I'll tell you this much: I got a text from one of your teammates who said, "Quote: He was one of my favorite players, a guy who brought so much energy to our team. He was a legend at Nebraska." And he ended up being someone I'll never forget. I'll leave that because he wanted to keep it private. Rick Bonus joins us, former Raiders Super Bowl champ. So tell everybody now, you, you played with the Raiders for a few years. How tough was it to leave the organization and move on with your career before we get to where you are today? Well, uh, that, that too is a story in the sense of relates to the one I just told you about walking into the locker room. I, you know, so we took nap. We were in camp. I think it was Rio Rancho, Rio Rancho Hotel, something mm-hmm. like that, up in Santa Rosa. Uh, practice in the morning, practice at night, meet or in the afternoon, meetings at night, and in between practices, always took a nap. So the door, the knock on the door came one afternoon. I got up. Coach Madden wants to see. So I knew immediately what was happening. And you know, I, I go in and, and talk to Coach. We love you, Rick, but we've traded you to Tampa. Now this is a this is Tampa's second year yes. as a team, so uh, and we were just coming. They hadn't won a game yet, and we were just coming off a, a Super Bowl. So I I leave, you pack up immediately, and I'm I'm on the midnight flight from uh, San Francisco to Tampa, and we let, and then, of course I'm a wreck. I'm just like oh my gosh, where the, what's happening, you know? And and I mm-hmm. get into Tampa, take a cab over, the radio's on. Good morning, Tampa. Welcome to the sunny Bay Area. And all I could think about was, this is not the Bay Area. <laughs> <laughs> so I get to the hotel. I go in. I, I, it's early. It's early. It's like 435. I get in bed. My sheets are wet because it's so humid there. And they have swamp, you know, air yeah. conditioning. It's just totally, you know, the the opposite of, of Oakland area you know, dry air was, so anyway, I can't sleep. So I get up, I walk over to the locker. Nobody's up. Everybody's sleeping. It's just really quiet. You know, steamy sun's coming up. I walk into the locker room, orange and you know, that the color then, whatever color orange that was, I look up at the locker. I'm looking for my locker. I look up, see my name. I look to the left, Leroy Selman, look to the right, Dewey Selman, on either side of me. Now, this the backdrop is we played Oklahoma every year 
on Thanksgiving. It was the biggest game of the year, and we were all, mm-hmm. my senior year. We were one and two in the nation, right? Going in, well, we always lost. <laughs> it was terrible. So I hated teammates. these guys, you know, so to speak. I didn't know who they were, uh, but but I did just because we lost. I played. So there were three Selman brothers. My sophomore year, I played. Uh, Rick, I got to wrap it up. I got to wrap it up. We got three minutes left, so come on out of this. Tell me what happened in Tampa. Okay, so what happens is after playing against all those three Selman brothers for three years and getting up my tail kick, it's a love, uh, you know, I fell in love with them. They're just amazing people. So uh, that was my transition to Tampa. We went on to to eventually make the playoffs Uh, while I was there. uh, I played four more years under Coach McKay. And that was a fabulous experience as well. I love the coaches you played for. Rick Bonus. Rick, last one. What are you doing with your life today? You got that legacy brick from Mark Davis. You know everybody expects to see out here in Vegas. What can you tell us about your life now? Well, I I just want to say, uh, JT, thanks to the Raiders. Thanks to Mark. Uh, I think their their, uh, alumni relations group is fabulous, and and it really means a lot lot to the former players uh, to, to have that connection sort of strengthened and reinvigorated, especially over the last couple of years. And the, and the brick was really cool to get. <laughs> and it was very kind uh, and, and really a thoughtful gesture. Uh, and I, I know I know everybody's excited about that and excited about Las Vegas. It's a great move for them. It's a great move for the city. It's a great move for the Raiders. It's a great uh, move for football, national football. Uh, football so when when you get out here we'll have you in studio we'll do a longer interview on a podcast your story is really unique it's a really deep story about life football all the great coaches and me and you are connected through hummer now because david oh, Hum yeah. broke me in I, I hosted the pregame show with him for six years i work with tom hum now you know tom so we got yeah, a lot of absolutely. catching up to yeah do. he was on the yeah he was with nebraska yeah you bet all right rick well, good Jason, to talk to you have a great day thank you you too. Thank you very much. Bye Thank bye. you, Rick. Rick Bonus, Super Bowl champion with the Raiders as a rookie. Once a Raider, always a Raider. Brought to you by the M Resort. I knew he could talk. I knew he had a lot to say. I had to kind of condense it here because we got another guest coming up. But high honors to talk to Rick Bonus. We appreciate him. Coming up next, our two-week, bi-week annual hit with Jeff Sherman over at the Westgate. What are the odds for the Vegas Golden Knights? Forget about winning the cup. Just to win this series, and the NBA odds have reset. We'll talk to him about what's happening at the Westgate. Once a Raider, always a Raider. Brought to you by the M Resort and Spa Casino. We've got to find a way. You got to find a way this time of year against uh, good teams and against pressure and against attention and you know against a good goalie. You got to find a way. Those are the teams that uh, that end up standing at the end of the day. Yeah, that's Peter DeBoer. He's dealt with a lot of pressure in every round. He does, and I think he handles it well. I think he's a good coach. He got to put the players out there, and the players got to execute. But I really believe that he's been outcoached in this series. Every two weeks, we're joined by Jeff Sherman at the Westgate. What a handicapper. What an insider. And he takes us through the life of a sports fan from a gaming perspective, one of the best. Uh, Jeff, let's begin with the Golden Knights, a heavy favorite 
in the series here, and now that's gone away. How have the odds changed in the series between Vegas and Montreal? Yeah, like you said, a heavy favorite, uh, one of the heaviest in this round in many years. Uh, and we had opened the Knights a $5 favorite with Montreal plus 400. Currently, with the situation, the uh, Canadians up three games to two, Montreal's minus 185, the Knights plus 165. So the first time the Knights are an underdog in the series. Uh, when you look at this series overall, and Vegas, as we talked about the course of the year at times, being the favorite to win the Stanley Cup, how much liability here on the Canadians? Did anybody see this coming? Was it a matchup issue, or they're just peaking at the right time since they put down Toronto? Uh, we got some dog money uh, with the the price being that high, and plus you have some people that might have some Knights money or other futures money that look to hedge at this point of the season, so... Uh, from a series price perspective, we actually have more Montreal liability than Knights liability. Well, speaking of liability, the Nets are done. And when we saw Brooklyn, we talked about it all year long. They just didn't play with a healthy roster as we moved to the NBA. So they're out. And now Giannis overall in this Atlanta series. Talk about the overall price for the entire season. Uh, series, excuse me. Where is Milwaukee overall to not only win this series in the East, but win the NBA title? Yeah, we opened the Bucks uh, minus four dollars against the Hawks at plus three thirty, and that's been up bet up to five dollars. So, seeing a lot of Milwaukee support. Same thing with the game tonight. Uh, we had opened Milwaukee seven and a half. It's up to eight. So, a lot of a lot of support for the Bucks in this one. And for the title, we're currently sitting with the Bucks as a title favorite. It's at plus one ten. Phoenix is at plus one twenty. Then you get stretched out to the Hawks at fourteen to one, and the Clippers at fifteen to one. One of the main reasons I wanted to talk to you this time around was about how that played out with the eight and dunk and how Phoenix ended up winning that game against the Clippers. Everything that could have went wrong from an in-game perspective of Paul George missing back-to-back free throws to the officiating and all the stoppages in the replay. And then in a play initially, you know, I didn't know the exact rule. It felt like offensive goaltending, but it can't be on a play like that. And the Suns win. Yeah, that was a smart play by Monty Williams using the time to set up a play like that. Like you said, it can't be offensive goaltending because coming from out of bounds, it's not a shot. Uh, it just it can be touched that way, and not a lot of people know that rule. So uh, executed to perfection. The best part of the whole play was the pass by Jay Crowder. It was unbelievable to be on the money like that. Uh, but just a, a a whole confluence of things that happened there with George missing the two free throws and uh, a poor situation for the Clippers, especially with everyone – knowing their history and how, how tough it's been on them. But now being down 0-2 again for the third straight series, having to come back. Right now, Phoenix is a $7 favorite to win the series, plus 500 on the Clippers. Jeff Sherman, VP of Risk Management over at the Superbook at the Westgate. I want to move to NFL Futures on winning the championship, odds to win the Super Bowl, Kansas City and Tampa Bay, and then everyone else. But I just wanted to ask you, with the Rams and the Bills at the Westgate, has there been any movement, any money coming in on the Bills, and especially the Rams now, as a lot of people are buying into Stafford at quarterback? Yeah, the Rams have seen one of the largest moves in the future book since we opened them at 25-1. to 1. They're down to 10-1. to 1. Uh, But the money that we can't stop right now is Tampa. Uh, we have them the favorites at 9-2 to 2 ahead of uh, Kansas City just because of the, the support they've received. Uh, and people are really interested betting them for the uh, NFC Conference and the Super Bowl. So uh, with them bringing their whole team back and signing everyone back to it, uh, it, it hasn't slowed down at the betting window for Tampa. Jeff Sherman is our guest. So with a, a team like Denver hoping for an opportunity possibly to get Aaron Rodgers, 
And then I asked you a couple of weeks ago, what about the odds for the Packers on the NFC Championship game and or the Super Bowl there with all the you know, decisions that's got to be made at the quarterback position? Yeah, and, and nothing has really changed where we're sitting at 20-1 to 1 on Green Bay and there's not much money at the betting window for them until things are more definitive. And obviously if he stays, that number will get chopped drastically, probably back down to about 12-1. to 1. Uh, And if he goes, it's going to be a, a large increase. So uh, people are just shy right now with the uncertainty of it. And that's a tough thing. You know, we have up their season wins, uh, make the playoff prop, and then uh, we put up a point spread on every game the whole season uh, for all the teams. So we have a lot of uncertainty going there, but not a lot of support just because of the unknown. Jeff Sherman, as we wrap it up, golf's your specialty. Walk me through John Rahm and how that ended up, especially getting up and down from the bunkers on 17 and 18, and how insane that was on Sunday with all those leaderboard changes. How did it play out for you at the Westgate? Yeah, it was a, it was a great tournament. I mean, it was a solid leaderboard going into Sunday where there were so many superstars mm-hmm. at the top that had a chance to win it. And the nice thing for John Rahm was he went out there and actually won the tournament making those huge putts on 17-18. It wasn't where he got in the clubhouse and backed into a win. So he went out there and earned it. And especially what happened to him at the Memorial having a withdraw with COVID. So it was good to see him do it. He was by far the pronounced favorite at 10-1. to The next golfers were up at 16-1. to uh, So he was a slightly good result for the house because he was right up there in ticket count and money wagered. Any uh, juice on this UEFA? I, I know you got fans that love the screens over at the Westgate and want to watch these games. Uh, what's the handle been like for the Euro? Uh, it's been solid, and we have uh, two matches going on right now, and uh, France and Portugal and Hungary and Germany. And, uh, you know, the public tends to just side with the favorites in these large soccer matches. So uh, the book always needs a dog, and right now we have uh, a couple of tight ones. Portugal and France are tied 1-1, and that's been the one of the better-handled games that we've had this tournament. Always good to talk to you, Jeff. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thanks for the time. All right. Thanks, JT. Jeff Sherman over at the Westgate. Very interesting What's happening with the Golden Knights from a gaming perspective? Follow him at Golf Odds if you're looking to bet and you want to see the line move. That is the sharpest sports book in the world. That's why we have him on. We have Jeff Sherman on or Jay Cornegay, mostly Jeff from the Westgate because that's the sharpest sports book in the world, the biggest bets, the sharpest bettors, and they know the line as good as anybody. We appreciate him coming up here at Golf Odds is where you can follow Jeff Sherman. And the updated Stanley Cup winners, Lightning, Lightning minus 135. Lightning now look big. Golden Knights 7-2, Canadians 4-1, Islanders 14-1. 14-1. Man, do you take a shot here on Vegas thinking they could win the next two games? That's something we're going to have to figure out. 888-623-3646. We are shame. 702-365-9200. That's my night show number. Thank you, Bobby. Uh, when we come back on the other side, we'll reset. I'll do another a plea, plea to hear from the Golden Knight fans to see if they're out there. I don't think there's anyone here. I, f- I feel like I'm alone in my house. Oh, I am alone in my house in Summerlin. Maybe that's why, Bobby, it feels like I'm alone in my home in Summerlin because I am alone in my home in Summerlin. Look at that. I think they're going to win. Now, I didn't say anything about Game 7 because I, I don't even get, think Game 7 should be brought up today. But obviously, if I love the Knights in Game 6, you know where I stand in Game 7. And more Carl Nassib news coming up on the flagship of the Raiders, Raider Nation Radio. Raider Nation Radio.